This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, October 25th. I'm Samantha Sherris. Chinese leader Xi Jinping has secured a third term in office while the 20th Chinese Communist Party Congress wrapped up its twice-a-decade meeting over the weekend. What does Xi's third term mean for the U.S.? And what does it mean for Taiwan? Michael Cunningham, a research fellow in the Asian Studies Center here at the Heritage Foundation, is joining the podcast to discuss the significance of Xi's third term and what else happened at the Communist Party Congress. We'll get to my interview with Michael right after this. This is Mike Howell at the Heritage Foundation. I know how the left and the deep state operate because I've seen it from the inside. When I was working for the Trump administration, I learned how the left made our lives miserable and how they continued to think they could play by their own rules. Well, now we're taking all these tricks and tactics that were deployed against the Trump administration and turning them against the Biden regime. Through the work of the Oversight Project, we're exposing the left for what they are and embarrassing some actors responsible. We're using strategic FOIAs and fearless litigation to force these bureaucrats to deliver documents they'd prefer to never see the light of day. But for our work to be successful, we need patriots like you to stand with us. You can take action now. Visit heritage.org oversight to learn more. There's no time to waste. Joining the podcast today is Michael Cunningham. He is a research fellow in the Asian Studies Center here at the Heritage Foundation. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Samantha. Of course. Now, I just want to dive right in here. The 20th Chinese Communist Party Congress had its week-long meeting last week, and it wrapped up over the weekend. Xi Jinping was given a third five-year term, which wasn't really surprising to anyone. If you were giving a briefing to President Biden right now, what, in your opinion, was the most significant development or outcome from the week? Yeah, I would say that it's um, the the consolidation of power uh, that she managed to to accomplish was actually so. the The third term was not a surprise at all, as mm-hmm. you said, but the amount. The extent to which he consolidated his power was. So he managed to force people to retire prematurely who were not uh, his protégés and to replace them with with protégés, his own hand-picked people. And so now he controls essentially the entire Politburo Standing Committee. Um, there are very few checks on, on his power now. And so I would say that's that's the first one. Second, if I were briefing, say, President Biden, as you said, I would just emphasize the um, the amount of, of rhetoric in the uh, Xi's work report and in the, um, the, the various other uh, documents and, and uh, official reports that, that came out of, of the Congress, uh, the amount of rhetoric that was about struggle mm-hmm. and about sort of um, the um, the hostile intentions of, or, or or I guess I'd say the the hostile environment that um, she sees China as being in, that he very much sees the U.S.-led international order as hostile to China and and to China's um, uh, interests, and and that that says a lot really for the direction that China is taking under Xi, um, that it, it it will further. Um, intensify its struggle against uh, the the U.S.-led international order, against U.S. leadership in the international community, and against the norms that, mm-hmm. that really hold up uh, our international system. 
Yes, a lot came out of this week-long meeting, and I, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on something that Florida Representative Walt said on Sunday. I was on Fox News Sunday. He said that she has become the most powerful Chinese dictator since Mao. Is this an accurate assessment of Xi? I would say it is. He uh, definitely, uh, the amount of, of power consolidation mm-hmm. that he accomplished this time, it really shows that he is, um, a, as I said, there's just very little, there are very few checks to his power now. He, um, he hasn't, it, it, it's hard to say for sure what extent that power will be um, until we, we, we see it in action. But just based on the past 10 years, we've seen that even without controlling the entire uh, leadership uh, lineup as he does now, he managed to push through his preferred policies. Mm-hmm. And so I would say he's definitely the most powerful um, uh, Chinese leader that we've seen since Mao. Mm-hmm. And you talked about this a little bit earlier with his Politburo um, and, you know, he just uh, announced this new standing committee. Uh, what's its role and who's on it and also who's not on it? Yeah. Okay. So um, the Politburo Standing Committee is the the really the top uh, lineup of leaders. Mm-hmm. So currently there are seven people. There have been seven throughout Xi's uh, time in office, and um, so uh, you know five years ago or up until yesterday, yeah, a couple days ago, there were about three people, including Xi himself, that were. Uh, core allies of Xi. And there were a couple that weren't really aligned with anyone. And then there were two that were um, factional opponents to Xi. And these were very important people, including the premier himself. Mm -hmm. And so um, now they're pretty much all um, Xi's protégés. There's one, uh, Wang Huning, who was already on the the standing committee uh, last term. And he, you know, he didn't he didn't really rise under Xi, but he has been a, a protege of whoever is in power, we mm-hmm. could say. Um, and so I, I guess the really the most important things, um, people that I guess are new to the Politburo Standing Committee, one of them is Li Qiang. Mm-hmm. He, is, he was the party secretary of Shanghai, so he was uh, responsible really for that, that fiasco with the COVID lo- lockdowns uh, a, a, few, uh, a few months ago. And, you know, he's controversial here and throughout much of the world for uh, the draconian response to the COVID uh, lockdowns. But in China, you know, it would have killed anyone else's political career that 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 COVID outbreak even happened. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, if he were anyone else, if he were not a Xi ally, he probably wouldn't would not his political career would be Mm -hmm. over. And so he is in there. he has never been a vice premier. Mm-hmm. So that breaks a precedent that from the founding of the People's Republic of China until now, it was always one of the vice premiers that mm-hmm. becomes the next premier. Um, the, the person that it should have been, so you asked who is not on the standing mm-hmm. committee, uh, the one person who was a vice premier that was not supposed to retire this time was a man by the name of Hu Chunhua. And he is a protege of Hu Jintao, the, the previous um, uh, general secretary of the party. Um, and it, it's his faction that pretty much got dismantled uh, 
this time around. Um, it's, it's been a work in progress since she came to power, mm-hmm. but um, we, we very much saw how they got uh, made essentially irrelevant uh, during this, mm-hmm. uh, this party congress. It really seemed like a purge of anyone who would seem as a threat to Xi Jinping or, you know, offer any sort of opposition to his leadership and to his values. Do you th- is that accurate? Yeah, to an extent. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd hesitate to say purge because mm-hmm. uh, in China, when we talk about purge, we're generally referring to people literally being purged from the mm-hmm. party and then thrown uh, in prison. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect we're going to see that with, mm-hmm. with the, the previous leaders that were uh, retired early. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it very much is a takeover mm-hmm. of the party, I would say. Interesting. I, I wanted to also ask you about um, former President Hu Jintao. Uh, he appeared to be forcibly removed from uh, the Great Hall of the People on Saturday, according to some video that we've seen circulating on Twitter. Um, I can include it in the show notes for, for people who want to take a look at it. Uh, can you walk us through what happened, what we can kind of guess what what happened. Um, obviously, there's a lot of speculation out there, um, and and what it says about Xi's leadership. Yeah, well, um, I mean, as far as what happened, nobody really knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, some people know, but but unfortunately, by the time the journalists got into the the Great Hall of the People and started recording, mm-hmm. um, we see at at that point she is already there are already people talking to him, trying to coax him out of his chair mm-hmm. and and move him. So the official explanation, um, of course, was that it was a health issue and mm-hmm. that she uh, finished attending the 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 rest of the session from a, an adjacent room. Mm-hmm. Um, very few people that I have spoken to uh, buy that story. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, uh, even people in China, your average urbanite, does not buy that that explanation either. And and I would say here that from that from one angle, it doesn't really matter what happened. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that 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 uh, our uh, initial responses, oh, it must be political. That says mm-hmm. quite a bit about the Chinese Communist Party, mm-hmm. about the the kind of organization it is. And I think you know, there's there's a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of people want to see the CCP or or the Chinese government as you know, uh, I, I guess want to compare it with other governments, other uh, emerging markets or developing countries. Um, or, or other dictatorships even. Mm-hmm. But um, what we saw there very much was just a public, um, I guess, showing of, of the true nature of the CCP. And that is that if there's any country right now that we can really compare it to, it would be North Korea mm-hmm. or it would be the Soviet Union, right? Um, now, was she, wh- what were the reasons for um, Hu Jintao being taken out? probably has something to do with something that happened before Mm -hmm. the video started rolling. But um, most people believe it was political. Mm -hmm. um, And and, and that, um, I mean, that that, that just goes to show sort of the, the, I I guess it really was a symbolic gesture of Mm -hmm. what we saw happening Mm -hmm. that... um, that that she did very much take over the the, the party during this Congress. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts on um, 
you know, similar to what we had talked about earlier with Xi Jinping, uh, you know, continuing to remain in power, it was no surprise to anyone. Uh, the former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo tweeted on Monday that Xi Jinping seizing total power is no surprise. He's a brutal communist dictator. This is the real threat, and this is what our military needs to focus on. What does Xi's third term mean for the U.S. and for our relationship with China? Yeah, um, well, we we can't really expect things to get any less tense. Let's mm-hmm. just um, put it that way. Xi's third term, as you said, was expected. Um, and I don't think there's any surprise to mm-hmm. what, what uh, Pompeo said. Mm-hmm. There's not really any surprise about the course that she um, laid out in mm-hmm. the party congress. Um, things are going to be increasingly bumpy for the U.S. and China. The mm-hmm. reason being that, that uh, the CCP does see the U.S. And, and our leadership of the world as a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 40 years of, of engagement, we, we tried so hard to, uh, I mean, we embraced China. We, we helped, we facilitated their rise. We tried so hard to um, develop a healthy and a good relationship with them and help them develop into a, a member of the international mm-hmm. community that was responsible and was contributing. Um, and 40 years of this engagement did not stop who China really, or not China, but who the CCP really is. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. Um, but I, I think I, I like one thing that I like about Pompeo's quote and about um Frankly, his stance on China generally, which is is absolutely correct, is that, look, the enemy is not China. It's not the Mm -hmm. Chinese people. The enemy isn't even Xi. The enemy is the CCP. Mm -hmm. And this is their system. Xi is as much um, a product of that system Mm -hmm. and sort of a continuation of past policies Mm -hmm. um, and and, uh, the the long-term direction of the party as he is sort of, um, you know, uh, charting a not so much new, but accelerated course. Mm -hmm. And then just to look through the eyes of a country that's much closer to China than we are, Taiwan, uh, what should we expect both in the short term and the long term regarding China's threat toward Taiwan? Well, that uh, in part depends depends on us, I would Mm -hmm. say. In part, it depends on what happens in Taiwan politically. Um, and in part, it depends on on the CCP. But um, but you know, Xi further consolidating his power, um, and to the extent that he has, um, I, I I guess the well, what what that means is he is going to be further emboldened. Mm-hmm. He's going to be um, uh, more confident. But the under the underarching political dynamics um, that that she operates in mm-hmm. haven't changed to the extent that he can just do whatever he wants and not worry at all about the consequences. So, you know, as far as war goes, I, I, I think the um, the highest likelihood of war would be escalation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know. Uh, as far as uh, there's a lot of talk out there about, you know, she plans to uh, take Taiwan mm-hmm. in a certain number of years. Um, it's more complicated than just taking Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking uh, a, a, a Chinese military that has does not really have any recent combat experience. It's mm-hmm. been decades. Um, and China very much believes that the U.S. and, and Japan would be involved. Um, 
and not to mention it would be a, an amphibious landing that we're talking about. And mm -hmm. so, you know, if they were to make a move, it probably would not be that all-out um, uh, takeover um, at this point. Um, the main reason being that an attempt and failure to take Taiwan um, by Xi mm -hmm. would, uh, you know, that a failure to take Taiwan would, would result essentially in losing all claim to mm -hmm. Taiwan. Uh, you don't have power to back it up. You've lost that claim, mm -hmm. right? And that is a huge political risk for Xi based on just the amount of emotion mm -hmm. involved in China among the, the nationalistic public. And so, you know, I, th I think Washington's task here is make sure that China never feels like the power balance is in its favor. Mm -hmm. Um, we need to stop neglecting our own military development because because China under Xi is going to continue developing its military very quickly, and we have to make sure that that doesn't happen, um, or you know that 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 we're always strong enough that that China will think twice about that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, if if Xi feels like he has to act or he has lost lost Taiwan mm -hmm. um, in in um, in, in, in his um, in his eyes, then then he will. And so there is that risk that as things escalate, um, that, that there will be this war that nobody wants. And so, um, yeah, I, I think um, it's it's unfortunate, but um, she is going to be increasingly bold. And, mm -hmm. and so that that risk will be there. Taiwan will continue to be a flashpoint. Mm -hmm. And um, she will continue to sort of use these military maneuvers to exert pressure on Taiwan. Michael, before we go, um, is there anything else that you would like to add or that you think the media might be missing in the coverage of the Communist Party Congress or in uh, Xi's uh, third term? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, an I think another aspect of it that's, um, that's important is, is just to remember that well, two things, I guess. One is it's easy to see it only in terms of doom and gloom, mm -hmm. whereas there actually are some silver linings here. Um, not many. You know, I, I think the extent of Xi's consolidation of power is actually frightening. Mm -hmm. um, but if we um, – the fact of him staying in power, you know, Xi is pushing – the world, basically, the developed countries, the democratic countries closer mm -hmm. to the U.S., um, Europe, Asia. There are so many countries that would love to sort of chart their own course, benefit from uh, greater economic engagement with China. Um, and we're seeing under Xi, that's mm -hmm. not happening so much. You know, they're, they're increasingly pivoting towards the U.S. Um, and uh, at the same time, our own government, you know, mm -hmm. there was a lot of concern, you know, is Biden going to change the, the policy from the more um, sensible policies mm -hmm. that, 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 that Trump developed uh, towards China? And, and he hasn't. He hasn't been able to. Mm -hmm. um, and one reason is because there's so many people think that she is the bad guy as mm -hmm. opposed to the party. They would love to engage more. So many people in the world would love to, but um, with she in power um, and continuing his policies, which he is going to do, that's going to be really difficult. So mm -hmm. it's actually in that case, it, 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 it plays to the U.S.'s uh, strategic benefit uh, in that way. Um, I would say the other thing is just to remember 
who is the outcome of the party congress worst for? I would say mm -hmm. it's the people in China. Um, and China, to an extent that probably we haven't seen since um, 1989 after the Tiananmen Square massacre, mm -hmm. uh, although I wouldn't, I would say it's not yet at that extent, but, mm -hmm. but there is sort of a, a, a split in the way people, the, the educated people in mm -hmm. China um, view the party under Xi. Whereas, you know, she does have wide support among the masses, mm -hmm. but uh, the educated people in China, they're very much divided. Many of them are frightened about Xi and his, his, uh, his power play. Uh, we saw the, the Chinese stock market, you know, it plummeted mm -hmm. after, after the, the, the results of the party congress. Um, so I, I personally know there are a lot of people in China that would, would like to see things change quite a bit. And so I, I think, you know, it's, it's good to keep in mind that, um, you know, China, it's China's economy that's going to suffer from all of this. Mm -hmm. It's the Chinese people that are going to suffer the most. And so um, I, I think that sometimes in, in, in our coverage of it, we, we sort of miss, I guess, that, mm -hmm. that human element, which is also... I think important in the long term. Yeah, definitely. Term. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I really appreciate you joining us today to to talk about such an important topic and hope we can continue this conversation moving forward. Um, I'm sure we'll only continue to, um, as you you know talked about, won't get any less intense between uh, China and the United States. Uh, Michael Cunningham, thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to my interview with Michael Cunningham. If you haven't gotten a chance to already, be sure to subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts. And help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. And we'll be back with you all this afternoon for top news. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.